I don't even know how to begin on this topic, so we're just going to dive right in and start on it. But I guess we'll just start with the story and, and how I got there, then we'll talk about what the aftermath was. We, okay, so let's go all the way back six, seven months ago. We were trying to program something for the software for SquareCoil that was going to be pretty revolutionary. We were very proud of it. We're going to be a first mover, and we were going to really kind of take this industry by storm with what we're programming. And we had it all mapped out. We had it all framework out. And right as we started to program, literally, I think one day into programming, QuickBooks sent out a message saying that they were going to shut down the QuickBooks desktop version of their software. They said, as of June, it's gone. You all have to go on the QuickBooks online, which created pandemonium in our company because all of our custom manufacturing facilities all use QuickBooks. Well, 95% of them do. Mm -hmm. And they all had to migrate over to QBO. And we've known, you know, for a while that QBO is still lacking from QuickBooks desktop. Their sales tax isn't exactly right. You can't do different. There's not a lot of variety in how you can tax things. But the way the uh, state and federal governments are for custom manufacturing. There's a bunch of different rules. Sometimes you tax parts. Sometimes you don't tax parts. There's just it's a it's a headache, is what it is. To be honest with you, it's a serious sales tax headache, and QuickBooks Online can't handle it yet. So when they launched into this, we had been waiting for a very very long time to program the API link. API is basically a cutesy way of saying the link between two software platforms. And Intuit has QuickBooks Online, and they allow an APA link, and so third-party softwares can plug into them, SquareQuote being a third-party software. And so we were making this sync between the two software programs uh, for QuickBooks Desktop. We've had it for years, but we were dragging our heels on QBO because every time they change it, they change the code itself, and so it's harder for us to plug in because it's always broken. We didn't want to give a client a broken piece of software that we're constantly fixing because Intuit keeps changing their code as they try and fix the problems of their software. So we just kind of drag our heels and said, hey, work all the kinks out, then we'll plug in. Well, they forced everybody's hand at the beginning of the year. So now we had to scramble. So for the next five months from January until May, we built QuickBooks Online and had it sync and do everything it needs to do to make it seamless so you're not doing double entry throughout the system. January, at the end of January, we told everybody at the trade show, we have it, it's live, it's ready to go, and sign up, and within the next 30 days, we'll get it live. We stayed true to our word, and almost on the 29th day, we did launch it. We've got all the bugs worked out. But we didn't. And that's the problem. QBO was still changing a little bit, so some of the onus is on into it. And some of the onus was on us because we didn't think that somebody would set up their QuickBooks, their accounting software, in such a way. Now, don't forget, in the QuickBooks world, accounting is the biggest black and white gray you'll ever see. Federal government, state government says that your taxes have to be black and white. Very simple. This or that, and that's it. And so they can figure it out and figure out what you owe in taxes. But in all honesty, there's so many different scenarios that happen. The accounting is the most gigantic world of gray you'll ever see. You can, you can literally log something into your accounting system three different ways depending upon how it goes. So if you were to take three different ways times 20 different things, now you can see how many different ways people can set up their QuickBooks. So we're plugging in. We take SquareQuo, we plug it into QuickBooks, we get it all set up, and then we start rolling people over from one system to another. I'm sorry, not one system to another. From QuickBooks Desktop to QuickBooks Online. The first 12 go perfectly. Everyone's happy. It works like a charm. We go, wow, we really hit the nail on the head. Life is good. Let's roll out to everybody else. The third company in had their QuickBooks set up differently than we've never seen before. 
And they had a couple uh, chart of accounts that everyone else had that they didn't have. Now, I don't know if we got super lucky and the chart of accounts is something that Intuit gives stock and they deleted it, or if everyone just happened to enter all this and we were to grab it. Now, we've, on the side note, we have fixed that. We have a list of the accounts you have to have that we email you out before you sync to make it easier. But at the time, we didn't know. So this client comes back on and says, invoices aren't working. And we said, okay, let's see here. And we start, you know, we have our problem steps, one, two, three, four. And we start talking to a client. They disappear. So we said, okay, maybe it stopped working or started working. Everything's fine. The client's just not telling us no big deal. So a day or two goes by. All of a sudden, they email, and they say, where's the progress? We go, oh, we're sorry. We sent you an email asking for it. Why didn't you follow up? Why didn't you from us? This is an important thing to us. We don't understand why you've gone radio silent. We're like, well, we didn't. You just didn't expect that email to get lost. But sure, we accept responsibility. Here's what's going on. How's it going? She goes, and they just fire back. Very short, very rude. It's not working. We don't like this. We don't appreciate this. Get it to fix now. And basically, they, they did might makes right. And I'm sorry, but might does not make right. This is not how we work. That's not what we do. And so the only way to tell them that we're working on it is to get the owner on the phone. So I supersede everybody. I call the owner and say, hey, from owner to owner, we need to have a conversation. We are working on this drastically. We are trying to make this work and happen for you. But it takes us time. She goes, unacceptable. I don't appreciate this. I don't. I just bit my head off. And I said, well, I hate to tell you this, but now we have to have a different conversation. I don't know the future of our relationship anymore. And she paused and she said, what? And I said, I do not know the future of our relationship anymore because I'm starting to think that you screaming and yelling is the only way you know how to communicate and that's not how my team communicates. And I think maybe you should need to go find another software company. Pause. She goes, no, I just want to get it completed. I said, so you still want to work with us? She goes, yes. I said, I need you to change your demeanor. I need you to change your tone. I need you to work with me. We're over here trying as hard as we can to get it done. You're our number one priority, but that's still not good enough for you, and, and I'm never going to chase somebody that's never going to feel good enough. That's just not how we do things. And my team here needs some respect. And she, she paused, and she goes, well, I wish you had told me these steps and what it takes. I said, well, I'm, I'm not going to teach everybody the inner workings of my company every single time, but you just have to have some faith that what we're doing is the best for you. She relented. She backed off. She said, I understand. I get it. My apologies. Well, let's work together. I said, great. I hang up the phone. We work on her project. A couple emails go back and forth. We're starting to get everything squared out. And her accountant, or not her accountant, her controller, the person that's on her payroll inside of her company, calls up one of my employees, does not know the conversation her and I had, and proceeds to rip one of my employees a new one. Call the owner back. I said, Please tell your whole team to speak with respect or I will fire you. This is the last time I'm going to have this conversation. I will let you go as a client. She recanted, and then we got an apology email back from her controller, and we're all in the up and up again. But the question is, why did I have to do it twice? Why did we have to have that conversation twice to get them to see that professionalism and courtesy goes a long way in getting something done and we're already working as hard as we can, why do you think yelling and screaming is going to make it better? Did it come from when we were kids? Did we feel if we yelled at mom and dad enough we'd get what we wanted? I don't understand that. I don't get it. 
And, and if you find yourself doing it, you need to stop immediately. Like there's, there's no excuse why yelling and screaming is a good thing. There's zero. There's basically you've lost vocabulary and now your voice is the only way that you're going to win. If you had a good solid argument, you don't need to raise your voice. You know, it's almost like a last ditch effort of, I don't know how to properly communicate with you. So if I yell at you, you'll snap too. It was sad. It was really sad. And the, for me, one of the things I want you guys to take away from this is if you find yourself yelling, how, where in your gut did you find that you thought you were losing? Where did you think that you lost something and so therefore if I yell, I'll get it back? Or someone's not treating me with enough respect and I've lost the game and so therefore this is, I got to yell. Or really, there's no place for it. I mean, I just bolster your argument, I guess would be the way to say it. So I was, it was an interesting conversation. It was an interesting turn of events, and I've been thinking about it for the last couple of days. Just why did yelling and being rude to someone think that that was the appropriate response to get them to jump? I don't understand. It was just one of those things. So for me, I took it away of I should never, ever yell again. Now, am I going to ever yell in my entire life? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to screw up and do that. But at least I know in my head that I, I, I lost the argument already. In my head, I did anyway, and I need to recant. I need to stop. I need to relax, apologize for raising my voice and say, this is what I'm trying to get accomplished. How can you help me? And maybe that's what they should have done. Maybe a question versus a, de a command or a demand would have been the answer in the end. You know, as I'm saying it out loud, it kind of sounds kind of silly. Why don't I just ask the question of what I'm trying to accomplish and have them guide me? Probably been the answer in the end. But uh, um, programming is not an exact science. We're trying to basically take a bunch of different languages and put them together and be cohesive and talk together. So uh, it's difficult. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. And there's a reason why there are people that are programmers usually don't talk in the same way to most people in our society because their brain works differently. And that's what you need to be a good programmer on how it works. You know, if you take a query and you say, find all the fives, you think I should program, find all the fives. In a programmer's mind, it actually says, remove everything that doesn't have a five. That's how you program. It's the exact opposite of your thought process. So programming takes a little bit. There's always a little bit of patience with it. I'm sure every single person that's really good in your field, you have an exact science of how you do things that are not gonna make any sense to anybody else. And so when you get frustrated or they get frustrated with you, explain it to them, it might ease their mind. And then maybe we should be a little bit preemptive and ask, how can I help you? What are you trying to accomplish? And, and preempt the question to get you guys on the same page.